Hello, may I welcome you to episode 30 of Moving Matters. I am your host, Colin Wynn. I hope Moving Matters will give you an insight into others working or have worked in this wonderful industry as I delve into their past, their present and their future. You will find a new episode of Moving Matters on the second and fourth Thursday of each month. In this episode, we discover that my guest began his career in the industry in 1995 after some portering during a summer break, what services his company, or I should say companies, offered today, how a warehouse fire became his biggest challenge to date, his high point, his advice, what changes he sees over the next five years, and what he does outside of the industry. And as always, we end with a funny moving story featuring a gendarme. My guest this episode is Mike Andrews, Managing Director of Britannia Bradshaw International Removals and Storage. Enjoy. Good afternoon, Mike. How are you today? Yeah, I'm pretty good, thanks, Colin. How are you? Very well, thank you. Welcome to Moving Matters. Thanks. Can you tell everyone about yourself and the length of time within the industry? I can try. <laughs> 1995 is, I think, the year I started. I'm approaching a significant birthday, and I'd left university not long prior to 1995, so that will give people a clue as to how old I am. 21. Absolutely. <laughs> I wish I was. I'm very happily married to Susie. We've got two children, one of each. My cousin used to say he got three children, one of each. I'm not sure what he meant by that. <laughs> a, uh, a, a small menagerie of, uh, of furry beasts. And oddly, I was thinking about this when you sent me this question through. One of my very earliest memories was standing absolutely devastated next to a Pickford's truck in the 70s which was moving my beloved grandparents down to Cornwall for retirement. I know it was the 70s because I know that was when they moved, but also I was smaller than the rear wheel of the Pickford's truck when I stood <laughs> next to it. But I can remember it vividly. Brilliant, brilliant. So how did you get started within the industry? So a very good friend of mine, a lad called James Noakes, who's now a senior guy with Grace Removals in Western Australia. He was at university, sorry, he was at school with John Trenchard, David Trenchard's son. And James used to go and work for David at Leather Barrows in the holidays. I'd left university, we'd finished up, and I had a, a short entrepreneurial burst as a sort of second-rate Dell boy, if you like, buying and selling used power tools and small bits of plant and machinery. James at the time was, I think he was still at university because he was a year behind me. He was working for David on what was, I think at the time, the biggest commercial move in the UK that year. Right. I might well be corrected on that. And it was for Coopers and Lybrand, the accountancy firm in London. And as we all learn when we've been in the industry for long enough, the summer, you just not got enough guys. So they were that short. James rang me up and said, would you come down and um, do a bit of portering? Which I did. 
I thought, oh, a few weeks in London, a few beers with my old mate from university. What could be, uh, what could be better than that? And uh, so I went down, did it, really liked it. And, and luckily enough, David um, offered me a sort of uh, trainee manager's job while I was there. Really? Hmm. So from porter into trainee manager? Yeah. yeah. Wow. That was, that was sort of it. And did you do the trainee manager? I did. I worked for, uh, I can't remember if he called me trainee manager or ops manager, but, um, but yes, I did. He fairly quickly dispatched me off to do the first of the BAR exams, the estimating piece. And I was taught and lectured by a short-sleeved Robert Bartup. I was always surprised by his short sleeve. <laughs> um, lectured by Rob Bartup, Harry Holgate, Annie Neve. John Luxford, I think. Yeah, so there it starts. Well-known names there. Yeah. Excellent. So can you tell everyone about your company and the services that it offers? Surely. Operationally, I'm involved with two companies. We, we, people will probably see us as one, but, but, but they are two. We've Bradshaws of Leicester, which I'm involved in with Mark Herrington. And then there's John Bradshaw and Son, which owns and operates businesses in Manchester, Birmingham and Stafford. We operate under the Britannia banner in all four locations, delivering the usual UK and international home moving and storage services. And we also operate predominantly from Birmingham and Manchester, BCL moving, which is more bespoke commercial moving services. We've also a, um, I think we bought it a couple of years ago, we've got a shredding plant in Leicester as we sort of accidentally found ourselves doing lots, getting involved in lots of shredding. So we, we, we've also got that, got a small shredding business. And we're belatedly, and perhaps this will be uh, one of my lasting regrets, I don't know, we're belatedly getting involved in self-storage. Oh, in which area? We've done some drive-up units in both Manchester and Stafford. They, they've come this year. They, well, I'm delighted that they're full, but less delighted that they're full with conventional removal customers because I think like the rest of the industry, we've just got no space. Yeah. We're, we're just rammed. So these drive-up units, are they specific self-store units or are they using the shipping containers? No, they are specific self-store units made by active supply and design yeah they are absolutely wonderful bits of kit they they're not cheap they're much dearer than doing the um shipping container route but they look a whole heap better so bcl commercial Mm -hmm. you still have that pink truck yeah we've got a couple of pink trucks Uh And, and and uh in all my years in the industry, which we think is 95, quarter of a century, it's too long, isn't it? <laughs> Other than the odd phone call to say, your driver, beep, 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 cut me up on the M6. Trucks don't cause many phone calls. The pink <laughs> ones do. The pink <laughs> ones cause customers to ring you and say, we've seen your pink truck and we'd really love you to move us with it. Oh, that's good then. That's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I don't know if you know that the, the pink bit is a connection to a local 
breast cancer prevention yeah. charity in, in Manchester. Yeah. Yeah. So there yeah, was, was a reason aware. behind it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad to hear that there's not just one truck in pink. It's grown. Yeah, there, there's, there's, I think we've two large, one small now. So what challenges have you had to overcome? Cool. How long have you got, Colin? Um, I suppose as an opener, I'd probably say the same as everybody else. Perhaps also saddled with not being the sharpest knife in the drawer. <laughs> probably seriously, I, th- I think we've all got the same frailties, hopes, dreams, fears, if you like. I constantly worry if we're doing it right, are we good enough? And, and probably operate on the principle if, I, if we can muddle along and get more things right than wrong over the long term, we'd probably be all right. If you want a specific incident, I would say a warehouse fire ranks alongside uh, Morris dancing as a once only in a lifetime event. You don't get many minor warehouse fires in our industry, in the, and it was devastating and horrendous. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not in the I'm not in the removal industry like that, and that would be the worst nightmare you could ever have having your warehouse just go up. Yeah, I think I think so. I won't plug the insurer, but by God, you realise why you have insurance after that. And a good insurer stood at your side is not to be underestimated. No, absolutely agree with that one. Any other challenges? Oh, I think they're daily, aren't they, in what we do? I suppose we essentially deal in people, don't we? Our business is all people, and and wherever it's all people, there are always a variety of challenges that come at you daily. And uh, in in this industry, we, we, we all know what they are. We all face them every day. But that's what makes the guys doing the job so special, because they're not just porters they're not just lifting furniture you know they're keeping the peace at the end of the day they're trying to keep the customer not so stressed out they're trying to keep them nice and calm because it is a stressful time so the guys have to have a lot of praise for for the job that they do because as you say every day is a challenge and i'm sure every day is a challenge to everybody in the office and everyone working behind the scenes the guys have got a a proper challenge every day I, i think we sell ultimately peace of mind don't we when we make a sale to a customer you know, they can't see what it is we're going to come and do. You know, as, as our salesperson visits them all, more lately, does it via video link, probably. But what we're actually selling is peace of mind. And our guys are counsellors, yeah. uh, listeners. And, and without a shadow of a doubt, your best guys are the people who handle the customers the best. Yeah. We spend, we do spend a lot of time in our business on feedback, soliciting it from customers, sharing it within the business. We share the good, the bad, the ugly. We put it up on the walls. We talk about it in our team briefings because it what is what keeps us going. It's what keeps the whole job spinning. If you could change anything from your past, what would it be? You're a very good questioner, Colin. You ask some awkward questions, I think. I asked my wife about this one because I couldn't think of anything. And, and then I gave up the ghost because she gave me about 100 pages of notes. All listed. <laughs> um, so I, I lost the will on will to live on page 75. 
I, th- I love it. I think what I would say is, and I expect like everybody, there are many, many things that I would be horrified to see in neon lights on the warehouse roof that I've done in the past. <laughs> um, but you know what? I can't change any of those. But what I can try and do is is get a bit better next time and not do the same thing again next time. And as you asked the question, my, I, I thought about something my late uncle told me when I was a youth. He said, you know, Michael, youth is wasted on the young. And I wish I'd paid attention to him when I was a youth. Didn't wait until I was a full blown adult before I started paying attention. And I wish I'd tried harder at school as well. Really? Yeah. Then you wouldn't be in this wonderful industry. I don't know. Maybe I still would, but. uh, Maybe. Maybe. I guess we'll never know. No, we're here now and we're very happy to be here. So, what is your high point of being in this industry? I hope this doesn't sound corny, because I mean it. It was becoming friends with the late Malcolm Halley. Very briefly, he taught me as much about life as he did about trying to sort of duck and dive your way to running a a moving business. So, so yes, that, that would have to be the high point, meeting Malcolm. He was a great pal. What did he teach you then, Mike? Oh, do you know, however awful and hard things were, are, or will be, and of course they, you always will have hard and grim times in business, as I think you will in any, any walk of life. Malt was always bloody happy. He, <laughs> he, he, he always enjoyed himself. He could switch off, and, and he never bore a grudge. I think one or two people, rightly or wrongly, he felt had maligned him, but he never bore a grudge. He'd always have a pint with him. Absolutely. I can vouch for that. <laughs> lovely man, lovely man. Sorely missed in the industry. Absolutely. Yeah, very much by us all at Bradshaws. What one thing would you change within the moving industry? Do you know, I'm not sure changes the word. Rather, I do wish we'd celebrate more that what we provide is a really good service and it's bloody important. It serves a great, important role. And I wish we had, and some do, don't don't get me wrong, I think we probably all do at, at times, a bit more pride in our service, a bit more pride in our staff. Uh, and a bit more pride in the price that we then charge for doing a damn good job. And I, and I think, so to expand on that a bit, most of us, most I think most moving businesses, certainly that are involved in the domestic moving industry, have enjoyed a pretty halcyon period of business. But even though it's gone, you know, we've probably had the longest summer the industry's ever had. Well, haven't we ever? But... It's still short relative to those year upon years of hard slog a lot of us have just to keep our, you know, our heads above water and our collars dry. And this, even though it's been a good period, it's laced with thorns. There's, there are tremendous labour pressures on in the market at the minute, both to recruit 
and to retain you know i think we're all seeing and hearing about wage inflation packing materials have have gone up like a bloody v2 rocket out of berlin during the war haven't uh, they ever and and the cost of fuels starting to surge so i guess in conclusion i i'd like it i'd really hope we're on our guard against a return to cutting each other's throats slashing the rates you know let's look because because to do this job properly and be around for a long time and make the money to invest in your fleet and invest in training your team and invest in your warehouses and your and your storage infrastructure we, we've got to know our costs and we've got to charge properly do you think we'll drop our prices i think the old phrase goes is the pope catholic mm. um do you know Yes, you're always going to have a quiet day when you want to get the van out of the yard. And perhaps you might view that day as somebody's better than no money. But I really do hope that we that we say, you know what, let's never do anything unless we make money out of it. Let, let's not give it away. Let's not throw boxes in and say they're free. Nothing's free. Let, let's make sure we charge for it. And let's make sure we recognise that we do a really good job that the customers value. Maybe if we charge decent prices and make good money, it would allow you not to drop your rates just to compete to get some money and to pay the guys. Yeah, I think I'm sure you're right. I think as well, I'll, just to prove that I've listened to one of your podcasts, by the way, Colin. <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I, if I could... Um, you know, you talk about these big blue chip PLCs that have some stone um, monument in their receptions. Well, we're not quite so grand as that, but I would like to have <laughs> Rob Bartup's words sprayed everywhere. Absolutely. I knew you were going to mention this. <laughs> the customer doesn't know how much it costs to move until you tell them. Absolutely true. And he's right. Yep. He's, he's right on many things and he's he's. He hit that one on the um, hit that nail right on the head. Absolutely, and it has been mentioned a couple of times. And in fact, I nearly mentioned it myself before you did. Then, <laughs> but how can we change it? How can we get everybody to charge realistic figures? There are people out there that don't know their costs, and they are giving the pack of materials away for free. I think donkeys years ago, someone told me to buy a book called Lessons of History, and, and I think the gist is. As a race, humans are pretty dense and we're, we're pretty good at repeating the same things over and over and over again. We will keep making the same mistakes, but at least if you try and learn a bit from history, you, you might dodge one or two. You'll probably still make plenty. And, you know, the industry is littered with the corpses of businesses who did it too cheap. Yeah. And, and if you look at the businesses who've been around for donkey's years and are thriving, and, you know, and, Go back to Rob Bartup's outfit. They tend to charge the right money. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm on his course in November, so hopefully he'll be teaching me. Not that I run a removal company, but I'm curious to know how to run a removal company. We've sent several people along to that over the years. In fact, I think this is the first year we're not sending anybody. And yeah, we we enjoyed good feedback from. I've heard nothing but good things from it. So I'm I'm looking forward to five days of sitting down, intensive training and lecturing and yeah. 
Normally I'd be in Vegas at a computer conference, a developer's conference, but this time I'm going to be in Cheltenham. <laughs> it's a bit of a difference. Cardboard boxes and lorry, lorries will trump Vegas anything. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. <laughs> so on the subject of changing things, what's your views on the driver shortage? Ooh. And porter shortage for that um, matter. I think it's a wide old topic and a hard topic. I, I think, do I have the answers? No. If I did, I'd perhaps have retired by now. <laughs> um, I think that, as ever, the press aren't necessarily helpful because headlines, I think someone sent me a, an article saying drivers are earning as much as solicitors, accountants, and architects. Well, maybe the odd driver is, but the majority of them aren't. No. Uh, and that sort of thing isn't helpful. But clearly, we, we've got a the stuff going on now that none of us have worked through. There's, there's none of us worked through a Brexit. There's none of us worked through a pandemic. Uh, and there's none of us worked through a period of growth that's been as fast as this in, in mm. peacetime. And since I've not been around in wartime, then I can only stick with what I know. So there's loads of things going on. And it seems to be that it's predominantly the, it isn't at the top of the labour market where this is happening. The, the, the stuff that's going on, this, this rapid wage inflation, isn't, it, it isn't the, the doctors, the lawyers. It, it, it's happening elsewhere. So, God, I'm rambling because I don't really know yet. I don't know the answer to your question. I, I think the answer is probably for us the same as it's always been. If you think you're going to take drivers from general haulage and bring them into removals, you're not. I exactly. can't think in 25 years of that being successful once, never mind on multiple times. Where we succeed is, is we bring people in who've got an interest in people, because I think miserable people need not apply, where we bring people in who are people-orientated, they enjoy the vast variety that we have. They enjoy being the customer's counsellor and the customer's mediator. They enjoy seeing a different one every day. They enjoy being their own boss once they leave the yard because, frankly, as long as the job gets done to a high standard, that's what you're interested in. So you're not going to bother those guys who are out doing your wonderful job. So I think there ain't no quick fix to it because bringing them out of haulage has never been the answer. The answer is and always will be try and attract the young interested enthusiastic young things and then give them a path you know and, and there's a very quick path isn't there from if you come in as a porter i would guess almost any business worth its salt in our industry would be only too delighted to take that enthusiastic reliable young porter and put him or her through their licenses and pay them a lot more than a porter earns to go drive a truck. Yeah. 
Absolutely. But there's always a fear. And the fear that I keep hearing is, well, if I go and put James through his HGV, then he can earn X, but then he'll leave me and go and drive for Tesco because mm-hmm. he can earn even more and he doesn't have to load and unload. So we've got to get past that issue as well with company owners and just say, you're going to have to take the risk. Did you say that man's name was James? <laughs> just made it out, yeah. Well, if you don't train James, what you do know if you've got no bugger to drive your trucks. So I, th- I think our view, our business view, my view, personal, if you train James and John, and John's still there after two years, James has gone, he's gone to go to Tesco's or wherever he's gone. Well, good luck to James. He wasn't right for the furniture industry. But train a James and a John, and hopefully you're left with John and keep training a James and a John and, and over time you'll have enough Johns. Yeah, yeah. But there is that fear that, you know, in the industry that you know, they're just going to bugger off. Well, you just kind of have to take that risk. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, they might be with you for three years. Then you get three years out of them. And then if they decide, do you know what, it's not for me. Well, they could have decided that and remained a porter. But it's worth the risk. And it's, it's not then just a risk. It's an investment in your member of staff. You're taking them from Porter to you're now a HGV driver. You have this extra responsibility. Yeah. But then some don't want that extra responsibility. No, and, that, and that's, that's, that's been the same throughout human history, hasn't it? You, you know, the phrase is you can take a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. And that's if people don't want to drive, they don't want to drive. And there's nothing wrong with that. We, we've got a, a few really great porters who, for whatever reason, don't want to drive. Well, that's yeah. fine. You don't have to drive. But if you do want to drive, you can do. And of course, underneath all of this, we're a transport business. And without drivers, we've no business. So clearly, that's always going to be the that's the crunch role for us to get that motor out the yard in the morning. Maybe another way to make them want to become a driver more is to have a bigger differential between the salaries. Yeah, I think in most businesses there probably is a fairly meaty differential. I don't don't know. But but I think you'll also never get away from. Some people just don't want to drive, do they? They they, they really don't want to. And and those guys that don't want to drive but want to be a a great porter, well, embrace them as a great porter and and get on looking for the guys who, who want to drive. So your background, you mentioned off record, mm-hmm. your background is Pickford's. Yes. Do you think Pickford's have brought an issue into the industry in that, and I'm not being horrible to Pickford's here, but everybody has a background in Pickford's and Pickford's always had really good managerial training. Yep. And then it stopped. Yep. Do you think that might be a slight issue in that Ooh. Pickford's aren't doing their training and therefore... The, the, the guys that have been in the industry probably 10 years now don't have a Pickford's background. Those that have been in it 20, 30 years, there's always some association with Pickford's. Yeah, I think I think we wheeled the scapegoat concept out in the Old Testament uh, originally. I think we'd always like to have a convenient place to hang our hat as to why we haven't got something. And, and undoubtedly, you know, the rich seam of guys coming out of Pickford's is, is inevitably reduced as 
as their number of locations has reduced. But I don't think. Yeah. I, I think whilst they remain a, a, a whopper in the industry, I think that if you actually, you know, take your VAR book out, it doesn't exist yeah. anymore, but go online. Yeah, yeah. However big they are, they are still only a very small bit of the industry. Yeah. But what I do think, and perhaps it dovetails with what you mentioned about Rob Bartup's course, which of course isn't Rob Bartup's course anymore. It was, but it's now VAR yeah. course, but BAR. still Rob Bartup's course. I don't know if in tandem with the Pickfords thing you talk about, there's been less training at that level by the industry full stop because those three industry exams climbing up to the higher certificate of removals management, they've somewhere or other along the way been swept away and not replaced by anything. Mm. So I think now we, we see... BAR offering a pretty decent set of training for operatives, but I think it's perhaps not quite so good for the other part of the business, the administrative side of the business. And perhaps it's all wrapped up together. Yeah. The, the Pickford's not doing their management trainees. Yes, that's one thing, but be nice to have someone to blame but of course at the same time bar haven't it's dropped away in bar and i wouldn't go as far as to say it's bar's fault because it's dropped away for a reason that's usually demand yeah but i think probably as like the hgv or, or lgv driver shortage if you've got a shortage of talent coming up through your business, it's incumbent upon you to go and try and find it because no one will go and find it for you. True. What are your views on these three and a half ton vehicles? Um, they've changed over the last few years. Uh, we, we've got a few. You're talking about low loaders, I think. Yeah. We, we have a few. We really like them. There is clearly an issue with overloading so my own person what's my personal view is over time my view has changed and i now have them made to be as small as they physically can be produced by the manufacturers and that gives us a vehicle that's a little over 500 cubic feet and of course that vehicle has less material in it so it's lighter in the first place yeah. And it's got a much smaller back because you can buy one of these things with a thousand foot body on the back. Well, with a 500 foot body, you've perhaps got 400 foot of usable space and a slightly higher payload. So that lets me sleep easier. So that's what we do. I think they're a much more usable vehicle. And one of my colleagues from work was at the Moves and Storers show in Manchester, there was a guy there from the DVSA just having a look round, just got his ear to the ground, and he stood talking to, to our guy. And he was on one of the low-loader builder's stands, and there was a vehicle there that proudly displayed its dimensions, which were the thick end of a 1,000 feet. And the DVSA guy remarked, and what do they move in this then? Fresh air? before he wandered off through the hall. So it's on the radar. It's definitely on the radar. And 
A lot of removal companies have issues with them, but they do serve a purpose. There is a purpose for them in our industry. It yep. also helps with the driver shortage at the moment. Yep. But it's this whole overweight issue. Most of the companies that have got one or two of them added to their fleet will probably, maybe once in a blue moon, it'll be overweight, but the majority of, t- majority of the time, it won't. But it's these people that have nothing but yeah, yeah. who are then constantly overweight. And yeah, that's the problem. I mean, I think maybe DVSA, we'll get onto it. Expanding a bit further on it, you know, if there's a massive chunk of the industry moving over to those, for those of us who do operate big vehicles, that may not be a bad thing because take a a, a move from Manchester up to the wilds of Scotland, well, two, three thousand feet, you're not going to fancy putting that on half a dozen low loaders and trooping up the M6. It might. It may make distance working time more profitable for those who remain committed to investing in large, expensive, expensive to buy, expensive to maintain removal trucks. Yeah, there'll probably be a couple that will say, no, we would send them up in in low loaders because we haven't got to stop overnight. We can just drive back during the night. (laughs) We don't have that issue. Um, So, yeah, it's, it's a really difficult one for the industry. It's a problem that needs solving. And we clearly need them in, in the industry. That There is a, a definite requirement for them, but they need regulating, basically. I, That's I, what it all comes down to. I, I think there's, and I'm reminded of a line that the health and safety manager at Pickford said once, which was, if you think health and safety is expensive, try an accident. Yeah, <laughs> there's truth in that. And probably the same applies to the, I think it's all well and good, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, Oh, I bung a thousand foot on a three and a half tonner. And we've got a couple of three and a half tonners that, which are, knowing what we now know, are a bit large yeah. for our liking. But we try and not fill the things. Yeah. But you don't want a phone call to say 900 foot of furniture in a three and a half tonners just shot up the embankment on the M6. So, what advice would you give to yourself just starting out in the industry again? Oof said earlier you're good at these questions con <laughs> <laughs> um where do you start i think you, your team or your business with without the the guys who do the work deal with the phone calls deal with the sales you have no business so it's all around them I would say all, almost all skills, if not all skills, are learned. They aren't, for mortals like me, inherent. So if you don't know how to do something, go and buy a book on it and read how to do it. Or go and watch it. Perhaps nowadays you go and watch a video and, and learn how to do it. Teach yourself. Because outside of, um, I think outside of the civil service or local government, career paths that happen just because you turn up for work don't, don't exist you've got to you've got to add value and never stop trying to add value and trying to be better at what you do and and if you do that a career path will open up that you didn't know existed yep and i would also say go find yourself a mentor at all points not just when you're starting out even even, not even, especially as you carry on. 
go and find someone who's a bit brighter than you and been around a bit longer than you and a bit longer in the tooth than you are and go and pick their brains and there's they're, they're out there and they're happy to help absolutely absolutely you've only got to ask at the end of the day yeah if you don't ask you don't get yeah absolutely there's people who've been there done it and however horrendous you think the problem is people have been there before and they can help you yeah yeah where do you see yourself and the industry in the next five years? Hmm. Personally, I, I like growth, business growth as well. Uh, I like change. So I think we're in a queer time. I think we're in strange seas at the minute. So who knows what opportunities throw themselves up for for, for, for businesses in that it, over that period the industry well we, we sell peace of mind come moving day you can't and i know i'm talking to a tech guy but you can't you can't really tech it what we do you, you know you can't tech taking a piano up a flight of stairs or out of a window there's no tech fix for that we'll probably be ordering electric trucks by then but it'll still be boys and girls carrying pianos up and down stairs and out of windows. So I think oh, we, we've got a concept, particularly the professional moving industry I'm talking about now, should, should look to itself, keep polishing itself, keep setting itself apart from the, you know, I don't know if you were alluding to this with the, with the smaller, you know, the guys who are running overloaded three and a half ton vans, and not stop it set ourselves apart from that because those vehicles are may well not be insured properly your stuff may well not be insured properly those staff may well be in the black economy that operator you, you know you look at the vat threshold how you can operate a couple of vehicles under the vat threshold is beyond me um, no matter what you charge so let's make sure that we put clear blue water between those who are trying to do it right and let's show those that aren't doing it right. And, and customers will vote with, their, vote with their wallets, I guess. They sure will. So what do you do outside of the industry to switch off then, Mike? <laughs> I think my wife and kids would say I don't. Uh, they would say... Not many people do switch off. Yeah, he spends a bit too much time at it for our liking. I love cycling. I live in the uh, Derbyshire Dales. And I believe you cycle with Chris. Yes, yes, it's been known. It's It's been known. That, yes, I've had a pedal or two with Chris. Yeah, I love cycling. Uh, whatever, mountain bikes, road bikes, touring, enjoy that. I live in a lovely part of the world, so I spend a lot of time walking with the dogs and the family. I'm a voracious reader. I enjoy music. I like fly fishing. And that's me, really. So you do get to get away from the industry. If you went fly fishing, are you switched off or is your mind still going? Do you know, of all the things I just mentioned, 
that's probably the one that is immersive. And, and it can be literally immersive if you fall in, which I've done that a few times. But, <laughs> but, 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 but assuming we're, we're metaphorically speaking, that's probably the one thing where you really are off. Yeah. Because you can't not be. It, it's absorbing. Your mind really, it's, I, my mind wanders less doing that than anything. Yeah. Because often while I walk the dog, I've got my headphones on. And then people look at you as if say, oh, you're listening to music. No, I've got podcasts on. I've always got IT podcasts on. Yeah. I've never switched off. So, you know, I may not know how to do A, B, and C, but I know about A, B, and C. Yeah. And when I need to know how to do it, I'll go and learn. But at least I know about it. But yeah, you never really get to switch off. So it's good to have something that makes you just go, no, I am going to switch yeah. off. Cycling as well. And finally, I like to end my podcasts a funny moving story do you have one or more to tell <laughs> i take that as a yes then <laughs> i got i actually got asked this question on um bbc business breakfast by steph mcgovern no she can't steal my question <laughs> um and i probably gave her the same answer do you know i'm sure like 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 many of us most are unprintable most are unsayable too many revolve around um, that that cardinal moving sin of number twos in customers' houses. Um, <laughs> but it, 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 here's here's one from this week, and it didn't. Um, this is one of those here. Yeah, this happened to a mate stories, and it did. It's not. It's not us. Uh, a, a pal of mine had a vehicle coming through France this week, and much to the driver's consternation. The next thing he got, I think it was two or three local plod cars, one in front of him, one behind him, one on the side of him, pushing him onto the uh, onto the edge of the carriageway. The 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 next minute, the the door flies open, the passenger door, and and le plod. I don't know if that's what they're called in France. Um, the gendarmes. The, the the local gendarme had opened the passenger door and was apoplectic and red in face about driving whilst on the phone and then noticed that the steering wheel was at the other side of the cab (laughs) (laughs) oh brilliant (laughs) now you may choose to edit this um my, my pal clearly thought it needed to be mentioned that that the gendarme in question was a lady and she was blonde if that was relevant i don't know <laughs> oh dear very good <laughs> very good a very good short and sweet story there love it <laughs> mike thank you very much for your time today colin thank you thanks for asking me on really enjoyed it you're very welcome thank you I sincerely hope you enjoyed episode 30 of Moving Matters. Please rate, review and subscribe in your favourite podcast player of choice and please tell your industry colleagues about Moving Matters. My thanks and appreciation go to Mike Andrews of Britannia Bradshaw International Removals and Storage for giving up his time to record this episode. Thank you again, Mike. 
If you would like to know more about Britannia Bradshaw International Removals and Storage and the services they provide, then you will find links within the show notes for this episode and on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. And please, if you have a funny moving story that can be relayed to our listeners or you would like to be a guest on the podcast, then do reach out to me by completing the contact form on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. I would just like to send my congratulations to Mike, Dan, Calvin, Tom and Kieran of the Young Movers Group and senior mover Paul Fox, who showed that age is simply a number, for completing the National Three Peaks Challenge last weekend, raising funds for the Removers Benevolent Association. Well done, chaps. Like me, you can thank them for their efforts by making a donation at www.justgiving.com forward slash campaign forward slash B-A-R Young Movers Three Peaks. Well, that is all from me. So until next time, keep moving.